everyone and welcome to Globalize Asia. Support for this podcast comes from Royal Beans Chocolates. Royal Beans is based out of Bangalore, India and specializes in Belgian chocolates infused with exciting flavors like masala chai, cappuccino, berry blast, walnut marble and many more. You can gift these special crafted chocolates to your loved ones in India by visiting their website www.royalbeans.in. Use the promotional code GLA10 to get 10% discount off your order. Thank you. Hi everyone and welcome to Globalization. Data breach by hackers on airlines and hotel industries, ransomware attacks on government systems, billions of dollars of theft via bank and swift interface are a few of the major challenges big corporates, governments and individuals around the world faces in this day and age of cyberspace. The threat of cyber attacks have evolved to such sophisticated levels that they say World War III will happen in cyberspace. To discuss the importance of cybersecurity, we met with Gautam Agrawal, CMO of NSS Labs based out of Austin, Texas. We are delighted to bring first of the three-part series in conversation with the very passionate and dynamic Gautam Agrawal. So Gautam, welcome to Globalization. Thank you. Um, CMO is a term I think in Vatsala's world would be a chief medical officer, but you are far from it. You are a chief marketing officer. You better not get me into medical. <laughs> so you are a chief marketing officer of NSS Labs. Yes. Uh, based out of Texas. Uh, based out of San Francisco. San Francisco. Francisco, yes. But my company headquarters is in, is in, in Austin. Austin. Yeah, Austin, that's Texas. probably why. As yes. in Texas. So, anyways, um, welcome to London. First of all, uh, you're here on on work trip. Yes. Um, shall we start first of all with a bit of a background on yourself? Uh, sure. Who Gotham is? Okay. Yeah. So uh, good to be over here, Gagan. Thank you. Thank you, Vasila. Uh, so chief marketing officer for NSS Labs. And uh, I'm over here in London this week uh, because there's a cybersecurity conference uh, happening in London. And then uh, hosted by a company called Cynet, uh, which stands for Security Innovation Network. Uh, and what they do is they actually bring uh, key luminaries together from the US government, from the UK government, and also key enterprises. And then the whole idea is how can we get the right people together to actually talk about cybersecurity. Cybersecurity obviously is the topic of the discussion today mm-hmm. and uh, it is, so coming from a banking background, I know it is on, on everybody's agenda, sure. trying to understand what's going on, how we can keep our money safe, how uh, the situation happened with Bank of Bangladesh where the SWIFT uh, got taken over by a few of the hackers and, and you know, a lot of money and was the list goes on away. And, yes. and the list goes on. And so cybersecurity is such a touchy topic in a lot of boardrooms, I'm exactly. sure, around, exactly. around the globe. But still, it is an area where a lot of work needs to be done. Yes. And I'm sure, you know, one of your conferences addressed these kind of things. They did. In fact, in fact, to your point, one of the key topics was how do you go address this topic of risk and cyber risk with your board, with yes. your board of directors, right? Because the people who are part of the board are not geeks. They really do not understand the bits and bytes of cybersecurity. They're going to ask you a very plain question. You know, as, a, as a chief information security officer, as a CISO, yeah. who's in charge for security, or a chief risk officer now, as I say, the questions they get asked is very simple. The way I can come back and measure my balance sheets and my financial statements yeah. and, the, and the health of the company, how do I have a similar kind of a health check for cybersecurity? Right? So they really want to understand from a business standpoint, mm. not from a technology standpoint, where do I stand from a risk standpoint? Right? So that's one topic. 
Other piece is uh, we live in the world of information and data, right? That's huge. But what has happened is the world of cybersecurity is driven by activities. How many logs have I processed? How many incidents am I responding to? How many alerts are coming in? My journey day to day gets driven by that. Mm. Again, the board doesn't care. What they need is actual data-driven, more empirical, more facts. How do I actually measure? What's the data-driven path to cybersecurity? If you can come with facts and figures, then when you go back and ask as a CISO for more money, for investment from a cybersecurity standpoint, they can actually relate to that. If you come back and give them a list of activities you're doing, it really doesn't matter. Right. right? So that was the second big topic to say, how cybersecurity needs to be more data-driven. Right? How do you talk to the boards, more data-driven? And then the third big piece from a cybersecurity standpoint is information sharing. Right. How can I, do I trust you to provide me the right information? And mm -hmm. if I do, then how do I come back and consume that information? What's the consumption model for me to actually go consume that information and get to a better place? We'll come to the sharing of information after sure. the GDPR was you know, yes. launched in May. That, that, that was, was another big topic too. Yes. But before that, how did you got involved into cybersecurity? I'm sure <laughs> you, know, you sounded very passionate about the topic. You obviously have a you know, wealth of experience. You mm. travel around the world talking to various, talking various forums. So how did you got involved? In yeah, so uh, came to, uh, in fact, uh, I did my undergrad in India and then uh, in 94. And then I, uh, believe it or not, I started my career in sales. So I was working for a large conglomerate back in India called HCL. And they had just started a, a system integrator part of the group called HCL Comnet. And what they were doing is they were system integrators for networking gear. So all the enterprise networking gear, Cisco was providing them. There were companies called Cabletron and Wellfreet, which later on combined together to become Bay Networks. And so we were actually doing system integration and all the VSAT technologies was coming in. So the love for networking actually started there. Right? So not even security, but the love for actually networking started there. Right. And then I came to the US in 96, uh, two years in sales over there for HCL, and then I came to the US in 96 to Los Angeles, for, to University of Southern California to do my master's over there. So what was happening is I was working on a, on a project for Cisco. And then of course, since I was doing a lot of the SI work for Cisco, I uh, also got a chance to come back and basically you know, uh, work for Cisco uh, on a research project. Before you know it, Cisco hired me full time, and the first project as a software engineer when I joined them. Now imagine my world from sales coming back into pure engineering, right? right? Right. So that was a journey, I came back into pure engineering. They gave me a project on cryptography, uh, crypto as we call it today, and VPNs. Now in 1997, 1998, working on crypto and VPNs, yeah, it, it sounds very interesting alien, and exciting alien, today. Yeah. It was an alien technology at that time. And the worst part is, it was a good to have, not a must to have. Yeah, you know what Cisco, you're providing me all the networking gear because mm -hmm. you're known for that. Security is more in terms of, yeah, go build it in. Right. Yeah, so we were actually providing it in. When 9-11 happened, everything changed. All of a sudden, uh, people were, got really woke up to the word security. Physical security, cyber security, that became the actual journey mm. to how cyber security actually came to life, if I have to say that, right? And all of a sudden, people were. Now what happened is, uh, products were getting tested out in the field, in production, while we were doing coding. Right? So now okay, customers have started finding issues in security. So what happened is I got a chance within Cisco to co-create my own strategic business unit, SBU, within Cisco, with sponsors like uh, my boss at that time was Jeshu Lal and also Prem Jain, who are like the big senior VPGMs at Cisco. We got a chance to get them to become actual sponsors and we actually started a whole group called Stealth. Right? And the other part of the Stealth group, the entire mantra was, uh, you laugh at that, of eating your own dog food. How can we eat our own dog food? Right? How can we actually go try our own products and our own solutions in-house before the customer actually deploy it, right? So that we can actually experience the good and the bad and the ugly 
what's happening with our product. So that's how the security came to life. So we went through a lot of innovation journey within Cisco. Uh, was with Cisco for 15 years. We actually went through that journey. Uh, got a lot of, uh, Cisco had something called Pioneer Awards. So went through a lot of different Pioneer Awards from a solution standpoint. And uh, from a security standpoint, that became the overall journey for us to say, okay, let's uh, go make security mainstream, right? So from Cisco standpoint, uh, we actually got into billion dollar businesses uh, just with our security uh, portfolio in terms of products and solutions. Uh, different technology with Cisco was offering uh, dynamic multipoint VPN, DMVPN. Uh, that alone is a billion dollar plus run rate within Cisco right now. Cisco Virtual Office, CVO, which was more of a remote teleworker solution, uh, but was providing security uh, built in mm. as a part of the entire solution. Uh, different companies, uh, whether you're working from home or you're working in a remote retail store, you were using CVO. Right? So then security just became a part of the overall portfolio right? from Cisco standpoint. Then went on to another company. So now what happened is a combination of networking and security became great because you understood what the network is all about. And then you are talking about securing the network. Right? Mm. So I always felt that having a networking background was good to have because sure. then you could actually talk to the people who are the infrastructure guys and you understood what the infrastructure is all about. Right. And then how you're going to layer security on top of that. Right? So, and then I was joined another company called uh, Barracuda. Barracuda Networks was an interesting company because they went into small to medium businesses, SMB. Right. Cisco was pure enterprise. That's the play, right? So now small to medium businesses is a different play. And they were looking to get into enterprise side of the business. So got a chance to lead the portfolio for, as a VP of, as a vice president of product marketing for that team to actually work on a few security products. The next generation firewalls, web application firewalls, and cloud security and email security. Right? So that became the, the new journey from what you were building at Cisco to now getting into a whole series of products mm. for security. Spend uh, a year and a half with them, and then uh, there was a company called FireEye. And what was interesting with FireEye is, uh, at that time, uh, the attacks, the nation-state attacks from China were happening. And there was something called APT-1 report, which had just come out. And APT stands for Advanced Persistent Threats in the World of Cybersecurity, right? Uh, and what happened is, nobody had ever heard about APT. Security was all about, I have these products, I apply the right signatures, and they should do what they're supposed to do. Mm. They'll block all this malware coming in, all the exploits coming in, they'll block them out, and then uh, my life is good, right? Now what happened with APT, it was something called the zero-day attack. Nobody had ever seen that malware or an exploit before. Now if you haven't seen something before, and your products don't know about it, then it's gonna come back, completely come back and bypass that. Now you have an unmitigated risk in your hand, right? And how do we come back and basically come back and mitigate that risk? Right? Because now that became the whole yeah. new journey. So there was a whole journey at FireEye where APT was not a category, but we were actually going and creating a whole category around advanced malware and advanced persistent threats. And that actually became a category called breach detection systems, BDS, down the line. And then you were able to come back and convince customers in a very meaningful way to say, you have all those layers of defense, which you have. You have an generation firewall, a generation intrusion prevention system, a nice secure web gateway, how about you put my BDS solution from FireEye or my advanced persistent threat solution from FireEye at the end of the tunnel? If you think your products are good, then they should come back and block those pieces out. Right. And if you think that they are missing something, then you should see blinking light. My Christmas tree should light up over here, right? So that is how we used to tell, tell the customer, if you see the Christmas tree lighting up, call us. You know, we'll come back and share with you what's really happening. And lo and behold, APDs were on a rampage. They were just picking up and customers would like just give us a call even before we could reach the offices back to say, I see some blinking lights. And you really need somebody to really come back and explain me what's really happening. 
right? So you mentioned we'll come back to your journey and continue, but you, it's it's interesting that you mentioned something that came out of the blue, which was some something like advanced persistent threats. Hmm. Now, at what point did you realize that you were part of something really large happening around the world? Uh, we understand that you've been part of um, the Davos conference at the World Economic Forum. Mm. What sort of topics get discussed there, and mm. how big is the threat if it's real? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Was at Davos, part of the whole World Economic Forum week um, in Jan this year, early this year, and I think one of the biggest topic was uh, they are creating a whole center around cybersecurity. There's a center for excellence for cybersecurity. So that's one thing which actually came out. When you, when you have all the right luminaries and all the right leaders and industry professionals over there, the chance of actually creating a whole system around, you know, let's go create a center for excellence around cybersecurity. So that was one thing which came out. The, the shocking fact which was that from a cybersecurity standpoint, right now the losses are at half a trillion. It's 500 billion right now. Current losses at cybersecurity. Do you guys want to take how much of a guess how much people spend in cybersecurity right now? Just alone this year, it's 114 billion. Mm. But the losses are 500 billion. Just look at the ratio between the spend versus. So that came out loud and clear at Davos. Mm -hmm. To say half a trillion dollars in terms of losses. And then they were actually saying that in the next five years, those losses are going to hit 8 trillion. That's a 16x, right? I'm pretty sure it's uh, almost close to 40% of US current GDP mm -hmm. right now, right? US, can I just, so, yeah, pause, pause there for a second. These losses, when you talk about it, can you just drill down into it? What kind are these financial losses in terms of people? because of hacking happening mm -hmm. or is it because the securities are not robust enough to, uh, I don't know, to, maybe there is a downside, uh, downtime to some some uh, operations going on, so there is a loss in hmm. revenue. Hmm. Those So w when you say losses, yes. what, uh, what exactly these losses entails? No, that's, that's a great point. So um, it's a combination of different things. One for sure is financial loss. Somebody was able to hack into my system and they caused me, it's like for a, from a, you come from a banking background. If somebody gets getting into a bank, or we were talking about SWIFT, that was a financial loss to it. Mm -hmm. Then the other impact which companies run into is intellectual property loss, IP loss. Right? Or the NHS hack that The NHS hack which happened. Way. Now when NHS happens, there's a loss which happens now where it's not just about IP, intellectual property, or financial. Now people's lives are in danger. Mm. It's patient data. Right? I just lost mm. my patient data and I have endangered the life of patients who are there who are actually going to be using the system, but the system is locked out right. because of the ransomware which happened with NHS, mm. right? Then there's brand loss and reputation loss. This is what happened with Target, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, when that happened, uh, they really wanted to get people back into the store, but you know, they went through a life cycle uh, where you know people took time to come back and build that trust. What you lose with cybersecurity when that when those breaches happen is you lose trust. Mm. Once that trust is gone, going building your brand and your reputation back in, you'll be able to build those financial losses back in. But building that brand and reputation to really come back and trust you again mm. is something which takes time. Mm. But to your point, it's financial loss, it's IP loss, it's a data loss, okay. it's a brand and reputation loss. Those are multiple things mm. companies have. So it's a combination of all those things. Yeah. And of course, downtime. Should I reboot all the systems, apply a new patch, mm. right? And now we're talking about a, a big company, uh, like a big banking and financial, like a Fortune 100. Lloyd's, for instance. Lloyd's, for example. Thousands of systems, right? Where exactly is that ransomware or malware if that's hitting me right now, right? Should I go back and uh, uh, redo all the systems? That takes time. Mm. How much downtime can I really afford before the business really gets back to normal? Right. right? What does normal look like? One week, two weeks, 10 months, mm. right? And do I even know if that uh, hacker is out of my system or they're just linking around over there just below the radar? It's, it's interesting that we are talking about these breaches, but do you think, Gautam, we were kind of creating this world for ourselves, but, but that initially we exposed ourselves to all this? Mm. When we sit in our car, 
the, our phone already knows where we are heading to mm. so that's something that's we that we worked to make our lives more efficient mm. but in a way what we've ended up doing is exposing ourselves where where then we are kind of helping it to prevent from the other end mm. so it's coming around in circles so my point is where do we actually clip it where do we stop because it's not going to change anytime soon that companies like apple or you know the next mobile the next it mobile device would tell you uh, your ecg rate your it would record pretty much everything about your your history your medical history then at what point do you draw the line and say that that's not a breach? Because clearly that is a breach if you really think about it. No, absolutely. And I think um, uh, I wish I had an answer to you to say, uh, yeah, this is going to stop. Well, we are in the world of digital transformation. Everything is connected, right? Billions of devices right now, right? As a household, as your, in your household right now, how many connected devices you alone have? I'm pretty sure five plus. You have a, a laptop, an iPad, maybe a couple of phones, maybe a, a desktop, right? So you have five devices right there. Now multiply the five devices with the number of billions of people over there and everybody's connected right now. So we live in a world of digital transformation. And that is what is really the, the entire mantra that if you're in that world, then you need to look into security more closely. And again, uh, people think about cybersecurity and they talk about something called FUD, right? Where FUD, F-U-D stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the world of cybersecurity. I actually call FUD in a very different way. It's factual. It's understanding what my data looks like and actually going and providing security around that. I keep it very simple, mm. right? That's one of the biggest mantras in my life to say, let's make complex things simple for people to understand, for right. them to consume. Cybersecurity is no different, right? If you do apply some personal cyber hygiene, you know, don't have default password. Don't have your kid's name or your wife's anniversary date as your passwords. Those are easy for people to really get into, right? Even if you connect to those devices, right? When if you're traveling in an Uber or a Lyft, do not connect your devices to the Uber and Lyft because now you're able to basically connect and you can talk on their speaker. Because once you connect to those systems, they have your information, right? So you need to just have that personal cyber hygiene in terms of, you know, passwords for my family. What systems do I have? Do I have my Wi-Fi network secured? Right? Let security begins at home, right? If we say charity begins at home, well, security begins at home. Let's apply some good hygiene and then let's carry that back to our corporate world, right? And, and of course, hackers, keep in mind, for a hacker and for these nation state actors, this is the whole economy for them. It's a trillion dollar economy. They're actually funded to go and do this to you, yeah. right? So then their job is to go find existing malware or existing exploit or existing way of attacking you or finding new ways of attacking you, right? That's their job. Day in and day out, they do that. Yeah. On, on that point, I think there are a lot of, uh, lot, lot of times you read it in, a, in a Western media, so to speak, that the hacking happened from such and such um, geography, hmm. mainly China or Russia. Hmm. What, what about other parts of the world? It's, it seems like all the brain sits, or all the dirty brains, so to speak, sit in those parts of the world. Mm. I'm sure there's some, someone in Africa as well that hacking and move funds around. But we never hear anything happening in Western world and mm. you know, the hack actually originated from Western part of the world. Mm. Is, that, is that something in your studies? Do you see that it's yeah. happening? No, I think, I, think, I think, again, we, we are quick to blame the nation states, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, Russia or China or North Korea, for example, right? Not like we are easy to, but uh, keep in mind, it's not just where it originates from. In the world of security, there are three aspects to it. One is where it originates from, then what that dropper looks like. We talk, we call it in the world of cybersecurity, we call it a dropper. That if I, am I going to drop a malware in a system? And that malware is supposed to do something. And then it's supposed to call back. There's a dark web and that malware or that exploit code is supposed to call back something. When it calls back, Many of the callback servers are in UK and US, believe mm. it or not. Mm. 
So they're not using their country because they were, their IP addresses will be blacklisted already. Right. So they cannot call back into their regions because they already know that they're on the blacklist. So that means they are going to go to a whitelist. Well, then that's going to be UK and US or some of the Western worlds where they're going to have these callback servers where they're actually uploading this stuff and then they're redirecting the, the data mm. back to some other place. I think uh, that's the reality we are all living in. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not uh, something which is hidden right now. Mm. That these things are happening around the world and every country gets connected some way or the other. You'll always have bad nation states, people who want to do malicious things. But you're also going to have where Western world is so digitally connected. People are going to, like in terms of the bandwidth, one of the studies we saw was, uh, which is going to be startling for you, uh, that the number one country where the callback was happening was which country? Guess. Was okay. South Korea. Because they were providing 100 GB pipes. Now you want to do a callback where the pipe is fat and you can actually pump in terabytes of data at a very high speed because the time is of essence. Mm. As a hacker, you don't want to be sending that 10 hours because they're going to trace you out. You want to be done in minutes. Right? So you need the, the country which has the fattest pipe to offer right now. Right. Well, South Korea was one of the vectors where the callback was happening because there was a big pipe which is being offered over there. Well, I'm going to use that to my advantage. Mm. Right? So everything comes with the pros and cons, right? 100 gig is great when I'm at home. I can do all the streaming. Well, 100 gig is great for the hackers too because they can use that for callback. Right? So, well, it seems like there are so many layers to this complexity of and it's so technologically driven. When you talk to a CISOs of the world, it mm. seems like it's a very niche kind of uh, uh, target audience who can understand this and then have a vision on what kind of security system it should you know, support their own companies. Mm. So is that easy task for you to just go and talk to CISOs of the world and, and create a scenario or, uh, or bring your product? So I mean, I want to bring you back to your NSS Labs product as well and to understand mm. uh, your current role in NSS and how you take that forward to the CISOs of the world. Yeah, so like if I go and talk to a CISO, right, uh, the Chief Information Security Officer, uh, there, are, there are people who are very technical, but there are people who also understand that there are business challenges, right? It's a, it's a matter of, like, as a part of my role for NSS Labs, like, if you look at NSS Labs, we are, uh, are, we are driven by our mission. Our mission is to advance transparency and accountability in cybersecurity, right? Full stop. That's the mission we work with. Mm. And we are the, the third-party vendor-neutral company, which does cybersecurity testing. At the core of what we do, we do cybersecurity testing. So pretty much work with a lot of the vendors and the vendor communities around the world to basically actually get their products tested, to really understand what the efficacy of the product is, how effective that product is, is the product doing what it's supposed to do, right? And also talk about total cost of ownership because those are the two key aspects or maybe, you know, security, total cost of ownership and performance is what people are looking at. Mm. Am I buying the right product? Does it have all the functionalities? Is it going to provide me the total cost of ownership, right? Over a period of three years. And does it have the needed performance for me to really come back and scale? with this particular product, right? So that's what people are looking for. Right. But even for them, when I go provide them an NSL lab report, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, it's a very technical report. Yeah. So one of the things which we do as a, part of our, as a part of our job profile is how we can slice and dice that information from a more business standpoint. Where right? they basically want to know, is this good enough? Yes, like yeah. one of the biggest questions to say, why should I really care? Mm. Uh, vendors are already providing me those reports, NSL mm -hmm. lab. So sh why should I get the report from you? Why should I care? So as an enterprise, why should you care? So on that note, that neatly brings us to the end of this episode for the role of cybersecurity in today's world and then Gotham's journey within this. In the next one, we will discuss about why cybersecurity is useful for an enterprise. In short, why should an enterprise even care about having cybersecurity?
Hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. You can catch all upcoming episodes on the website globalize-asian.co.uk or via your iOS or Android devices. Also, if you wish to join us as a speaker and share your story, please do drop us a message via the contact form on the website.